And I'm bringing you a word captioned, a life that pleases God. I didn't say a life, or I didn't say the life that pleases God. I said a life that pleases God. If I said the life that pleases God, then I'm talking about a definite life. Of course, the life that pleased God and so pleases God is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He is our standard. He is uh, the one that scripture says we should look up unto, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the life that pleased God and so pleases God. But when I say a life that pleases God, it means that there are so many things we can learn from Jesus, our example. And I had five such examples in mind, but because of time, I will deal with only three for today. And at the appropriate time, we can conclude with the remaining two. Hallelujah. So quickly, we will go into scripture talking about a life that pleases God. Uh, the first life that pleases God is a life that is pure and holy. A life that is pure and holy. And I will bring my scripture from Hebrews chapter 1 verses 8 and 9. From the New King James Version of the Bible, a life that is pure and holy is the first life I identify from the scriptures. Talking about our Lord Jesus Christ himself, the Bible says, But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Then the verse 9 the verse 9 says, You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. The King James says, hated iniquity. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. This, the New King James says, above or with the oil of gladness more than your companions. But I was reading King James in my mind. He says he has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. God has anointed Jesus with the oil of gladness above his companions. I'm talking about a life that pleases God. The first life we see is a life that is pure and holy. And here we are looking at our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who is our example. The Bible says... He loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. He hated iniquity. Watch. He didn't only love righteousness. He also hated iniquity. Alright. That's a complete lie. He loved righteousness and he hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, even his God, anointed him with the oil of gladness more than his companions, above his fellows. No wonder Jesus Christ was given the spirit without measure. In other words, because the Lord was so much pleased with him, the Lord said, look, I'm pleased with you, I'm giving you all. The Bible says, it pleased the Father that in Christ should all the fullness of the Godhead dwell. He loved righteousness and he hated iniquity, he hated lawlessness. Therefore God, even his God, anointed him. I pray that we can love 
righteousness as well. Like I mean, just like Jesus, I pray that we will be lovers of righteousness. We will be we will be people who love the beauty of God's holiness. He requires of us to live holy because He is holy. For how can two walk together except they agree? There is a ministry that has been mandated by God to help this generation walk with God and prepare a people ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. How can you be ready if you are not walking with Him? How can you reflect the true beauty of God if you are not, as it were, you know, emulating His steps? And the first step we can, we can uh, take in being like Jesus Reflecting his beauty, the beauty of his holiness is to love righteousness and hate iniquity, hate lawlessness. And I pray that God will put in somebody's heart a desire, a longing, a passion for righteousness, for holiness, for pure living, for purity of heart. The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach unto any people. Don't forget, the Bible talks about Jesus Christ who was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. No wonder God loved him so much. Remember, on the mount, uh, not even on the mount of transfiguration alone, but even at his baptism, the Bible says there was a voice that came from heaven that said that this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration, the same voice spoke again and said that this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. Will we hear Jesus? He is the one who pleased the Father with a life of purity, with a life of holiness. And so we identify that for a life that pleases God, the first thing that I saw from the scriptures is a life that is pure and holy. Look at the way Apostle Peter puts it. Apostle Peter puts it in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. He says, For he, he was talking about Jesus, for he received from God the Father honor, and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased oh my god in other words Apostle Peter is saying that when Jesus Christ received such commendation from the father he received honor and glory that is exactly what we read in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. That he loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even his God, anointed him with the oil of gladness above his fellows. And Apostle Peter is testifying to it in 2 Peter 1, 17. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. May God give honor and glory to somebody today as we learn from Jesus loving righteousness and hating iniquity. May the Lord put in us a passion for holiness. He is holy and he requires from you and me to live holy. Oh Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, that you will dwell within me and work within me and make me your operating vessel. My, you will make my body your tabernacle, your dwelling place where you operate from. May the Lord do that in my life and in your life in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So, number one is what? A life that is pure and holy. Number two is a life of thanksgiving. A life of thanksgiving. The life that pleases God. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18 says, In everything. In how many things? Everything. In everything give thanks. 
For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. The New King James says for you. The King James says concerning you. In everything, child of God, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Or concerning you. Oh, he didn't say for everything. He says in everything. We cannot say, Father, I thank you for this mishap. We cannot say, Father, I thank you for this trouble. We cannot say, Father, I thank you for this pain. But we can say that, Father, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the trouble, in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of this hardship, in the midst of this seeming unanswered prayer, in the midst of this seeming hopeless situation, I still say thank you, Lord. I still say blessed be your holy name. I still say, Lord, you are faithful. I still say, Lord, you are reliable. During the last week, I was doing, I think, one of the dumb broadcasts, and one of us sent a message. I hope it was by a mistake because I asked him to correct it, but I've not heard anything from him. He typed, can you imagine? Our greeting, okay, is God is always faithful. Or we say God is faithful, and then you will respond, He is always faithful. But very strangely, and there's somebody I wouldn't say that doesn't know English language. In fact, one of his commanding strength is English language. So I knew that he knew what he was talking about. He said, God is seldom faithful. It didn't sound well in my ears. God is seldom faithful. So I quickly said, but seldom, when we say something is seldom, it means it's rarely or it is hardly. So if you say God is seldom faithful or hardly faithful, you are trying to accuse God or blame God. So I asked that, brother, will you correct yourself? I didn't see any such correction, but I pray that he's corrected himself. Why? Because God is not seldom faithful. God is always faithful. Bible says when we become faithless, when we become unfaithful, he ever remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. You cannot use your circumstance, your personal experiences to now say that God is seldom faithful. No. I beg to differ from that. I believe that God is always faithful. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 tells me that it was while we were still sinners that Christ died for me. He died for you. So how can I say he is seldom faithful? He is ever faithful. He is always faithful. He is always faithful. Hallelujah. So the second life that pleases God. Is, or the second identity of the life that pleases God is a life of thanksgiving in everything, child of God. Give thanks in everything. In everything. That situation may be unpleasant. I know many times we, we learn to praise God and, and celebrate His goodness and give Him the worship when the life is going very well. But what about when you go through the valley of the shadow of death? What about when you go through the waters? What about when you go through the fire? Didn't he say that when you go through the waters, you will not be drowned? Didn't he say that when you go through the fire, he will not let the fire burn you? So he wants you and me to learn to give him his praise, give him his thanks in everything, in everything, in everything. And God means everything. You give thanks. He said, for this is the will of God. How beautiful it is when you do the will of God. I'm telling you. 
as how beautiful it is, how, how pleasing it is when we do the will of God. God is pleased when we do His will. So when He says, give thanks to Him in everything, whilst doing that, it is an opportunity for God to be pleased with you and definitely many wonderful things will unfold in your life when your life pleases God. Hallelujah. As we run up the year of great awakening, I believe one of the things God requires from you and me is for us to learn to please Him with our lives. A life that pleases God. Let's, let's look at Job. Maybe Job will help us appreciate that picture better. A life of thanksgiving. Job had lost everything. Child of God. He had lost his ten children the same day. He had lost his business. He had lost his property. He had lost everything he ever labored for. And he now had attracted a very strange, contagious disease. Very, very strange disease. All over his body was full of sores and he could not help himself. His wife even made it worse when she came to him and said, Are you still keeping your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job, look at the whole situation. Look at Job 1 verse 20 and 21. The Bible says, Then Job arose after everything was gone. After he had lost everything. After, I mean, his friends had not yet come around, mind you. Everything was gone. He, was, he had no companion. Then Job arose, tore his robe. I thought he was going to accuse God. And shove, he shaved. This is the American language. He shaved his beard. He shaved his head, rather. And he fell to the ground. And worshipped. Oh, my God. He did what? He worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb. And naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. To Job, what he suffered, he even thought that it was the Lord who took away. Then he added, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh my God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Will you learn to say, Blessed be the name of the Lord in the midst of that unpleasant situation? Will you learn to give God his praise even when it doesn't call for praise? He said, Naked, I came from my mother's womb and surely naked I will return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Once, I mean, another time he said, Though he slays me, yet will I trust him. Come on. There's a man whose life pleased the Lord. I bless the name of the Lord God for your life, child of God. I pray that we will learn from these examples because God wants you and me to please him. Okay? A life that pleases God is a life of honor. It's a life of glory. It's a life of beauty. It's a life that endears itself towards God. There is nothing that you would not call for and not receive. I mean, when you learn to please the Lord with your life. So, that's number two. Number three, a life that pleases God is a life of brokenness and repentance. A life of brokenness and repentance. Who can we learn from? This is David in Psalm 51. Okay? David was a man who knew how to repent when he messed up. Let me, let me just bring Psalm 51 and then maybe verses 16 and 17 and then verse 19. 
for want of you know time Psalm 51 let me read verses 16 17 and 19 from the new King James version of the Bible David said for you do not desire sacrifice or else I will give it you do not delight in burnt offering the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit then he said a broken and a contrite heart these oh God you will not despise in other words God is pleased with a broken and a contrite heart and you will not despise you will not reject that's the sacrifices of God for you do not desire sacrifice or else I will give it the next time I'm teaching on a life that pleases God you will discover that no, no, the fifth life that I discovered is a life of sacrifice but it does not start from sacrifice it starts from brokenness and repentance because if you're not broken in heart when I say broken in heart in other words if you're not the repentant type if you're not a type who yields to God whenever you even mess up and you are the type who always want to defend yourself and always want to you know accuse others for whatever happens to you then whatever sacrifice you give may never please God but here we find say for you do not desire sacrifice or else I will give it you do not delight in burnt offering the sacrifice of God are a broken spirit a broken and a contrite heart these oh God you will not despise verse 19 says then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness with burnt offering and whole burnt offering then they shall offer bulls on your altar in other words after we have repented after we have yielded our heart to God even when we had messed up that is when God will receive the sacrifices that we make our sacrifices do not mean anything to God if we do not first and foremost learn to be broken when we mess up David had messed up remember with Bathsheba as if that was not enough he now killed the the, 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 the husband of Bathsheba wow not only did he commit adultery he also committed murder but the man recognized that he had messed up. As a king, he could have defended himself. After all, he did it in the closet. But the Lord, who sits in secret, knew his misdeeds. And the Lord pointed it out through prophet Nathan. And David did not defend himself. In fact, Nathan came with a parable. You know the story. And then he reacted and said that such a person should be punished. Then Nathan, the prophet, told him, that, Oh, king. You are the one I'm referring to. You messed up. You had everything, but you still took somebody's own. You were covetous. Now you committed adultery. Now you've committed murder. And the Lord will not spare you. In fact, the child that shall be born shall die. David went on his face. He lay prostrate, lying down, you know, in repentance, waiting on God that peradventure God will show mercy. And would change his mind. God didn't change his mind. The child in that eventually died. It was after the child had died that David knew that God was right. So he got up from his mood of repentance and washed himself, you know, shove his beard and found something to eat. He was even fasting. A life of brokenness and repentance. 
These three are what I believe I can share with you today. Probably I can I can add a fourth, and then we can we can look at the fifth uh, the next time we have the opportunity to you know share uh, in the word of God. Number one, we say a life that is pure and holy. Number two, a life of thanksgiving. Number three, a life of brokenness and repentance. Let me add the fourth, if you don't mind. That is a life of faith. Oh, time will not permit me to talk on faith because it's a broad subject. A life of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, you know the scripture. A life that pleases God. Let me add the fourth. The next time I get opportunity, I can add the fifth. And if there are more, the Lord will give, I can add. He says, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. And was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Oh my God. I pray that you and I will have such a wonderful testimony that my life please God. That your life please God. Enoch had the testimony before he was taken away. He was not taken away by death. In fact, he was taken away by life. His life pleased the Lord so much that God said this one. I won't allow death to take him. I will take him by life myself. And before he was taken away, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Then the verse says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. That is to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. He is what? He is what you are looking for. So when you say God is seldom faithful, that is who he is to you. Never, never, never. Never cast stones at God. Never point accusing fingers at God. Never query God. Never accuse God for wrongdoing. No matter what you go through, remember God is always faithful. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. God is a rewarder. He rewards diligence. He rewards faithfulness. He rewards those who say that it doesn't matter what I go through. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me right in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. I pray that we will learn to walk by faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Remember, with God, all things are possible. So when God says something is impossible, it is really impossible. It is impossible to please God. What is faith? Faith is the response of the human spirit to the word of God. Faith says, I believe. Not because I feel it. Not because I've seen it. But because the word says so. And let God be true. But every man a liar. Romans 3, 4. Faith says that I take God by his word and I act on it. I may not see any sign. I may not feel any symptom. But I just know that God is true. 
I just trust Him. I just believe God. I just know that He is able and He is faithful. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I ask or think according to the power that works in me. That's faith. Child of God, I believe that if there is anything that God you, wants you and me to exhibit in this end time, it's a life that pleases Him by acting faith, acting out our faith. The faith that you have, you can grow it. He tells us in Jude, the verse 20, he says, Therefore, my beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. You have that faith, but build it up. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Sometimes our faith gets weak because we don't learn how to energize ourselves in the Holy Ghost. You tear yourself up in the Holy Ghost. When you get up and it seems that the whole world is against you. When you get up and it seems like the, you know, the tides are, are, are against, are, I mean, the tide is against you. The waves of the sea, they are overwhelming. And you feel like you are drowning. You can still look up to the hills from whence cometh your help. Your help comes from the God who made the heavens and the earth. He is faithful. He is able. He is trustworthy. He is reliable. He is dependable. He is not seldom faithful. He is always faithful. Hallelujah. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Some of us seek God, but we seek God lackadaisically. Today, we are on fire. The next day, we just, you know, quench the fire and start saying something else. And we begin to wonder, does this God really care? And meanwhile, scripture tells us that he cares for you and me. He said, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. All right. Maybe I may mention the fifth one and then I can end it there. Okay. Let me just mention the fifth one in passing. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 and 16. I'll quickly read Hebrews 13, 15 and 16. Okay. Let me just run up because I have some time. Hebrews 13, verse 15 and 16. I'll read from the King James Version of the Bible. It says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Remember, the first life that pleases God, or the first lifestyle, the life that pleases God, the first criteria we saw was a life of holiness. The second one was a life of thanksgiving. Okay? So here he says, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lives, giving thanks to his name. Then verse 16 says, But to do good and to communicate or to share, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Come on, we are talking about a life that pleases God. And we have identified that the second Criteria of life that pleases God, or the second lifestyle that pleases God, is or the, the second area of a life that pleases God is a life of thanksgiving. So he's telling us in verse 15 of Hebrews 13 that by Jesus Christ we should offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, not sometimes. I like it when David said in Psalm uh, 34, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Not at sometimes, at all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times. Oh, my God, those pragada. 
I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you will learn to offer the sacrifice of praise to God, not sometimes but continually. Then he gave this description. What is he talking about? That is the fruit of our lips. In the Old Testament, they used to give the fruits of, you know, of, of crops that they are cultivated. The fruits of their, you know, uh, their produce. But here in Christ Jesus is the fruit of our lips. And he called it giving thanks to his name. When you are thanking God for his goodness, when you are blessing the name of the Lord, when you are worshipping him in the beauty of his holiness, it is a way of, of, of I mean, pleasing the Lord with a lifestyle. And Bible calls it a sacrifice. Because in verse 16 it says, But to do good and to share, to communicate, do not forget this one. For with such sacrifices, so he's talking about sacrifice of praise to God, sacrifice of thanksgiving, and then sacrifice of doing good and sharing. With such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Hallelujah. I pray that my life will please God. I pray your life will please God. That is a thief. Okay, let me run up. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 7. Proverbs 16 7. I read from the King James Version. Why do I have to please God with my life? Why do you have to please God with your life? He says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. <laughs> I like the word even because it, it, is, it connotes a lot. Somebody will say it has a lot of connotative meaning. Did you hear that? When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even. In other words, everything will be at peace. Everything will be in harmony. Everything will go well. Everything will fall in place. To the extent that even your enemies will be at peace with you. May that become your portion in the name of Jesus Christ. As I run up my message... I have spoken about five different lifestyles that reflect a life that pleases God. Number one is a life that is pure and holy. Number two is a life of thanksgiving. Live that lifestyle, okay? Number three is a life of brokenness and repentance. When you mess up, don't justify yourself. Tell God, I am sorry. When you offend a fellow human being, Tell him or her, I am sorry. A life of brokenness and repentance. A life of faith. That is number four. And then, a life of sacrifice. I'm glad that I've been able to communicate all these in their simple terms. You know, I could have done the elaboration, but it's good that I've summarized it today. Maybe at the appropriate time, we can now look into detail the four and the five. That is a life of faith and a life of sacrifice, which I wanted to do another time. But it's good that I brought it to you so you can reflect on it. But another time, we can go into the nitty-gritties and bring out some examples and sacrifices to the glory of God. But remember the last scripture, Proverbs 16 verse 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even... Even, even, even his enemies to be at peace with him. May your life be at peace. Wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever you touch, whatever the project is, whatever you embark on, may the Lord make his peace rest upon you 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Said that even your enemies will be at peace with you. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus our 